Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Thursday. Uh, the LVRs are not changed. What does that mean? Uh, Erebus, it's uh, 40 years on. Uh, vegans protesting again, and uh, bakers going on strike. But before any of that, uh, the uh, Labour uh, youth camp assault thing, the person's been dismissed or something. Uh, anyway, l- let's hear what Tim has to say about that. He's a lawyer. He knows about this stuff. The young Labour summer camp assaulter has been discharged without conviction. I've waxed and waned over this, uh, over my opinion on whether that was the right outcome, because there's been a hell of a lot of publicity around this whole thing. I think, um, did the judge get it right, though? One of the comments the judge made irritated the hell out of me, and it was that it was an act of drunken stupidity. And the judge pointed out that the young man wasn't otherwise, apart from this uh, behaviour, it was, um, he was an impressive young man. He says, yes, it was highly offensive and would have been particularly so to the two victims. However, this is the bit that really gets me. However, it was born out of drunken, drunken stupidity. That doesn't excuse it. And as a matter of law, his drunkenness isn't a mitigating factor. Pull the other one. Why did you mention it? Because it might not be a mitigating factor, but it sounds like it was. However, Here's the thing. I think the judge got it right. And why? Because I think people are angry with the way the Labour Party handled this. But I don't think that a young man should carry the nation's anger because of the absolute balls up that Labour made of this. Yeah, so like I say, um, quite the learned legal mind there, Tim Beveridge. Um, uh, So yeah, balls up. I think that's a technical legal term. He's thrown in there. Not quite sure what it means, but certainly he knows what he's talking about. Uh, LBRs, they're complicated, aren't they? Buying a house, that's complicated. Does it make it less or more complicated now that the LBRs haven't changed? I thought it would be impossible for young people to get into home, into their first homes until I talked to young first home buyers. And they are tough, and they are focused, and they are resilient. They save. They pull their resources. They cut their coats to suit their cloth. They can't afford to live in Wellington. Well, they'll move to the Wairarapa. They can't move into the suburb of their choice, so they move to the next one along. The Reserve Bank has set the target so young people know what they have to aim for. And they'll do it. Interest rates are low. You know, we, we hear all the time in the news about people who can't get into their own homes who find it too burdensome, who who complain that house prices are inflated, they point to boomers, they point to migrants, but we don't hear about the young people who are just getting on and doing it. I think we underestimate just how many young people are doing that. Irrespective of newspaper headlines and Reserve Bank edicts and bullish markets, Just as 50 years ago, if a young couple wants to get on and make a success of their lives in their own home, raising their own family, then they'll do it. I've I've just got one piece of advice for first home buyers. Uh, Try to avoid one with a lawn or a garden. That's a lot more fun. Uh, No lawn, no garden. More time for you. That's, That's my advice.
don't really think it's anything to do with LVRs, but it's my advice. Uh, so Erebus, uh, the anniversary, the apology, the memorial. It's a, it's a real open wound still, isn't it? 1979, excuse me, I was 32 years old. And the news didn't come through until it was after dark. I don't know exactly what time it was. And I was turning into Upper Harbour Drive in Greenhouse. We'd been in Arewa and had a radio in the little Morris Minor that I was driving. And it, there was a, like a, a flash, which was unusual in those days, saying, you know, breaking news. Mm. Uh, reports have come through of a New Zealand plane missing in Antarctica. And then as the night wore on, the news got more and more serious. And one, just quickly, one of the things about it, I think, um, the, the, the tragedy was just so emotional for all of us because, I mean, there were two people that I knew that were on that flight, actually knew oh, really? as in, you know, friends. Mm. And also, if you didn't actually know somebody on it, New Zealand is a small enough place with that appalling number of people, 257 people dying on, the, on mm. uh, Erebus, that if you didn't know somebody directly... It wasn't six degrees of separation at the most. It was one. It was either one or at the most two degrees of separation. I don't think there's hardly anybody in New Zealand that didn't have some sort of connection to that flight. Yeah, so that's interesting because you were thirty. What did you say you were? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. You would have been twelve, and then. I was twelve. Yeah. And so I see. It's funny because obviously not many twelve-year-olds. I was absolutely acutely aware of it, and I knew of it, but it was more. My abiding memory of that period is just how long the machinations of the accident, you know, there was so many debriefs and investigations yeah. and trials and then there was oh, the, the royal inquiry. And so even as a 12-year-old, I remember every single day it's, there seemed to be something for what, a, what was a lifetime to me at that yeah. age. It seemed like yeah. every – and I guess, yeah, amazing really. So – and more, there'll be plenty more talk about it through the course of the day, and of course, a lot of people also discussing discussing the memorial and That's right. what we do with that. And well, and part now, well, it's certainly, certainly, sadly, the the story's far from ended. I mean, really, the shocking thing about that is uh, how amazingly old Phil Gifford is. He was, did he say he was thirty, thirty two, in nineteen seventy nine? I can't, I can't do the maths there, but. That's, I think it adds up to super, super old. So good on him. Still going. Uh, vegan protests still going. Now they're going to be protesting Christmas parades for some reason. Uh, Kate Hawksby's delighted to hear this. What are they doing? Why so much aggression and angst? I get your plight is serious and you're passionate about it, but read the room. I would have thought the best way to be effective is to work out who your audience is and target them appropriately. This current civil disobedience campaign they're running, putting stickers on stop signs, adding the words eating animals under the stop sign, how's that effective? It's basically graffiti. They quoted Extinction Rebellion as their inspiration. Their other recent target was the Santa Parade. The Santa Parade of all things, for goodness sake. I mean, honestly, Santa Parades equal kids, fun and frivolity, not angst. A group of vegans dressed in cow print onesies holding placards saying peace begins on your plate, crashed the Santa Parade. The organiser of the protest said she thought it was in keeping with the parade festivities and wasn't too in your face. (laughs) It might have been. But my bet is it went completely over the heads of those there. Let's remember, largely small children and people more excited to see Santa 
than people in cow onesies holding signs about meat. Security got wind of them and kicked them out apparently, but that didn't stop supermarkets getting targeted again. Wellington, Christchurch, Dunedin and Auckland CBD. The protest organiser says the meat aisle protesters with tape over their mouths is to get people to reconsider eating meat, to think about the fact they have a choice. Hate to rain on your parade, but I already know I have a choice. I have a choice to eat meat, and I choose to. Yes, I get the point as the animals don't have a choice, but reminding people they have a choice by being disruptive and judgy and annoying, how's that going to stop people eating meat? Protesting your message about animals peacefully is your right, but it's also mine to eat meat or to take my kids to a Santa parade or the supermarket without being told it's not food, it's violence. Now, I'm very concerned about this last story. Apparently there's some bakers going on strike or something, and it might lead to a bread shortage in the Upper North Island. Am I in the Upper North Island? Am I not going to have bread? What brands of Tip Top Bread are affected? So Tip Top produces some brands that are um, named Tip Top, and they'll be very easily identified. Um, they produce Plowmans, um, they produce Bergen, they produce the Essentials line for Countdown and um, some other brands as well in, in supermarkets across the country. Okay. Vogels? No, they don't okay, produce good. Vogels. That's right then. Um, why <laughs> you are you relieved. striking? <laughs> why are you striking, Anita? So we've been in collective bargaining with the employer George Weston Foods since July of this year and we have about 115 members covered by this particular collective agreement and the workers are basically saying look we've been um, receiving quite minimal pay increases year on year for a very long time, Um, it's about time that we receive something a bit better than that. Um, They also don't receive any special compensation for working overtime, of which they do a very large amount. So many of them do upwards of 60 hours a week. And that, you know, has an impact on their family lives um, and also, you know, creates fatigue issues and that kind of thing. But they also don't get paid any extra to work uh, during the night or over the weekends or anything like that. So what we're seeking is a fair pay raise, um, an overtime rate of time and a half after Mm -hmm. 45 hours and um, a night shift allowance. It's one of those weird situations. It's always been one of those things that has to happen in the middle of the night, isn't it, baking? I don't know why. It's, it's like breakfast radio. I don't know why that has to happen as early as it does. Like, why am I here now? So many answer, unanswered questions about the middle of the night. It's mysterious. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, it's just coming up to 5 a.m. Yep, that's right. I'm here recording this at 5 a.m. So lucky. Uh, we'll see you back here again after a weekend where I'll try and get some sleep. Oh, no, I won't. I'm not here next week. See, that's how tired I am. I'll see you in a week's time. Bye.